stand and sing together again the song that Darren wrote <laughs> and led us in. You wrote it, right? Okay. We're gonna, but we're going to recite the words because what I want us to focus on is the word. Because this is a beautiful capturing summary of what the Holy Spirit has been saying to us and will be saying to us from the page of Scripture. Let's recite this together. Oh, and I cannot say that you have failed me. Not for a moment. No, never once. Because you're faithful and you're a glorious God. And all that I need is you. Oh, yes, you're faithful and you're glorious. And all I can say is thank you. Oh, and I cannot say that you have failed me, not for a moment, no, never once. Let's now turn, take our seats again, and turn to Luke chapter 1. We read verses 5 through 25. the narrative of the announcement to Zacharias that his wife Elizabeth and he would in fact have a son, have a child. I'm going to pick up in verse 26 and read through verse 80. Now in the sixth month, that is of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the, that, holy one, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. 
for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And Holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would have what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, 
What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord will, was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to the fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Thanksgiving. It's hard. It's an act of faith. It's an act of gratitude. When we look back at the history of the pilgrims who crossed the ocean, as the two ships left England, carrying this Puritan congregation across the Atlantic. By the way, it was supposed to go to Virginia. It ended up in Massachusetts, what we call Massachusetts today. Not quite as nice an environment. They were packed into a very small ship. If you ever have the opportunity or have been to Massachusetts, uh, to Boston, I would encourage you, there is a replica of the Mayflower there in the harbor. And uh, 49 years ago, I got to walk on it. <laughs> And we were, the young men who were with me, we were all shocked at how small it was. And there were people packed in the hold. The people who were paid their way, they, they had to stay in the hold. They couldn't come up on deck. They had to stay in the hold for the entire crossing. And then the North Atlantic waters. Boston is actually south of where the ship landed. The ship landed higher up. And let me tell you something about the waters of the North Atlantic. Of the, well, there's a wonderful Gulf Stream that comes up from the Gulf and goes up the, 
east coast of the United States, and then it peels off and heads across the Atlantic Ocean, going towards Great Britain, around Cape Cod, where the pilgrims landed was north of that. And so they, the ship could only get so far, to, so close to, this, to the beach. It was literally hundreds of yards from where the ship could get no closer to where they had to go down into the water and go through that North Atlantic water to the shore. That same summer that I got to walk on the Mayflower <laughs> replica, uh, on the 4th of July, my friends and I, we took the 4th of July off and we went up to this little place. There's a little place where New Hampshire squeezes between Maine and Massachusetts. Where you can, and there's a little resort area. And we went to the beach there. And all kinds of people all over the beach. The only people out in the water are little kids. Well, that's strange. And by the way, it's very, very shallow. You walk out... Uh, a hundred yards, and you're still not even up to your knees. I mean, it is a very, very shallow, shallow, shallow. And that's why that ship had to, had to stop hundreds, because it couldn't get any closer. And the people had to go down into that North Atlantic water. And we walked out in that water, and within 30 seconds, we're all back on the beach. We're talking cold, 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 cold. If you go overboard in the North Atlantic, in that water maximum is about 40 minutes and you're dead because it pulls all the heat out of your body. And many, many, many of those pilgrims who made that walk from the Mayflower to the shore died. Many of them died that day or the next day because of the pneumonia they got. They paid a price. They paid a price for no other reason than this, their loyalty to God. They could have stayed back in England. They could have just kept quiet. There's a fellow who wrote that book, Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was experiencing the same kind of persecution that those pilgrims had been experiencing. And because he wouldn't shut up, he spent 14 to 15 years in the town jail, the Bristol town jail, because he wouldn't shut up with the gospel. And so every Sunday, his congregation gathered outside this, the cell window, and he preached the word of God to them year after year after year after year. And while in that imprisonment, he wrote the most famous, the most printed book other than the Bible in all of the English language, in all of history, Pilgrim's Progress. Never gone out of print since the 1670s never gone out of print and has been translated into virtually every language. Is that how you would like to have done this, John? <laughs> uh, no, I would rather have been at home. But my loyalty to Jesus took precedence over my personal comfort. My loyalty to Jesus took precedence over my personal comfort. We prayed a few minutes ago for our brothers and sisters around this world who were experiencing persecution. For what reason? No other reason than their loyalty to Jesus takes precedence over their personal comfort. We come, for many of us, the Thanksgiving holiday 
is a time of especially family gatherings and we can reflect on blessings and we can authentically give thanks for things. But many of us, things we prayed for have never happened. Zacharias, can you, <laughs> put yourself in the place of Zacharias. You're an old man. You're an old, old, old man. And your wife is an old, old, old woman. And for many, many, many years, you prayed, God, give us a child. God, give us a, give us a son. Give us a son. Give us a son. Give us a son. And you had prayed and prayed and prayed. And God's answer was no, 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 no. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. And so, Zacharias, a Levitical priest, he is, it's his turn to come to the temple. And he's there with a group of men. It's their turn together. And he is there doing what he should do. And as the scripture says, these are, he and Elizabeth, his wife, are righteous people. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. God is, Luke couldn't be more blunt, more clear. They had it together, except for this, so far as the text is concerned, this one thing. And Zacharias had prayed that prayer. How many years do you suppose it had been since Zacharias had prayed that prayer? He is an old, old, old man married to an old, old, old woman. But he had prayed and prayed and prayed, and the answer had not come and not come and not come. And now he's there in the temple. It's early morning. The sun is just coming up. And he drew the lot that said, okay, you're to go. By, By the way, the sovereignty of God stepped in because God wanted him right there at that place because he's going to send a messenger by the name of Gabriel, to speak to him. And he is there. They put the hot coals, the live coals, on the altar of burnt incense, and he dumps the incense on the live coals, and there's a big cloud of incense rising into the presence of God that represents the invisible cloud of incense that are the prayers of the people who are out in the courtyard. They're praying, and that altar, that cloud of incense represents, it's a visible representation of their ascending prayers. And so he is in there doing this custom, fulfilling this Mosaic law custom. And here's Gabriel. Would that get your attention? (laughs) Here is an angel. And there's no mistaking that he's an angel. He's radiating light. Zacharias doesn't question who it is that's speaking to him. And what does the angel say to him? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. He knows who he's looking at or what he's looking at. He was troubled. And fear fell upon him. Totally get that. Then the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, 
for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. You've been praying, you prayed for something. It's going to be answered. Okay, now based on what follows, I'm going to ask, I think, an obvious question. I wonder how long ago he had stopped praying that prayer. I wonder how, and so here is this man who is declared to be a righteous man doing all the things that the law requires, and he, was, and he is standing blameless before God, and yet what happens when the angel says your prayer has been heard? He responds with unbelief. And the grief that he had been carrying for many years jumps out and denies the word that comes directly to him. Your prayer has been heard. That prayer that you haven't prayed for years, but you had prayed for years, then stopped praying. It's going to be answered. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. It won't just be a regular old birth. It won't be just a regular old child, as if it had been, he had, this child had been born decades ago, and you just raised a regular old. No, 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 no. It's going to be an exceptional child who will bring, whose life will bring joy, rejoicing to you and to the nation. Was that worth the wait? Was that worth the wait? We call on God. Here are the promises of God. There's an expression that's an ancient expression. All the promises of God are mine. Do I really believe that? Am I willing to bet on that? Am I willing to step forward on that like Peter in the boat who saw Jesus walking on the water? Lord, if you command me to walk on the water, I'll be able to do it. All right, I command you, Peter, do it. And he, ste- he believed Jesus. And, he, and by the way, when Jesus commanded it, it put it all on Jesus. And he stepped over the boat, stepped on the water, and was walking with his eyes fixed on Jesus, experiencing that, and then all of a sudden he got distracted. And, he, and away went the promise, away went Jesus' power, and he started to sink because he got distracted. Distraction. Distraction. Keep your eyes on me. When you took your eyes off of me, Peter, you started to lose. You were victorious, and then you started to lose. And there are so many tragic accounts of people in Christian history who started well and ended badly because they moved their eyes to either the things that frightened and that frightened them into unbelief, or that 
drew them away because of the lure of riches from the riches of Christ. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be a Nazarite from birth. And there was a special group of men who could, if, and they were to resist during certain things that weren't necessarily sinful, but it was a statement of their, devote, their devotion and loyalty to God. I don't have time for that. I am so devoted to the Lord. Even legitimate things that are not necessarily innately sinful, I will stay away from those things in order to be more fully devoted to pursuing my God. And that is the lifestyle that John will be, just as in this, you find in the book of Judges, the same thing happens with Samson. At the announcement of his birth, he is to be a Nazarite from birth, and so it will be with the apostle, with the excuse me, with John the uh, the forerunner. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And what, as I read the narrative, what did we find? When Mary walked into the house, the, preg- the, the, the one carrying, burying, burying his Lord, the babe leaped in the womb of Elizabeth. And she voiced, she knew in- instantly what that meant. God had disclosed what that meant to her. And she voices, the mother of my Lord, my Elizabeth, my Lord has come to me. By the way, one of the things you need to remember about that culture is what generation you're in makes a big de- is a big deal. <laughs> For a, an elderly woman to lift up a young lady and basically place her on a pedestal above you that's not standard stuff at all. That is, an, that is a statement from Elizabeth of wonderful humility and glorying in the work of God. When your culture gets in the way of what God is saying and doing, you set your culture aside. And so it was with Elizabeth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, shall Drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, the Lord his God, in the spirit and power of Elijah. The final promise, prophetic promise regarding the coming kingdom in the Old Testament is the promise in the prophet Malachi that Elijah, by the way, Elijah never died. Elijah was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind accompanied by a chariot, and he never died. He's coming back. Later on in the narrative, we're going to see Elijah and Moses speaking with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, here is someone, John, your son, will come in the spirit of Elijah. He will be an Elijah-like person a forerunner. He will come in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the 
obedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But he will be the herald. He will not be the king. He will be the herald of the king. And this is what all of a sudden we're all reveling in this and and all of a sudden, the air goes out of the balloon with the words of Zacharias to the angel. How shall I know this? Got an angel telling you. Now, as I'm saying this to you, you're saying, yeah, Mark, we can read that too. I mean, this is not a deep observation. This, it's, it's right there on the surface, which is the point. Gabriel, radiating light, is standing before you beside the altar of burnt incense at the time of morning prayer, telling you this, and you're saying, how shall I know this? What, uh, what, 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 what special indicator could I? Well, maybe an angel saying it to you might be a clue. Why does he respond the way he does? Because he was a man walking in grief and bitterness of heart that had been entrenched in him for many, many years. Your prayer, Gabriel said, has been answered. Question, how many years has it been? since he had even bothered praying that prayer. How many, maybe we can say decades ago, had he thrown in the towel on God's answering his prayer? Let me ask you a question. With complete 2020 hindsight, such as we find from the words of Zacharias at the close of what I read, would we be able to say to Zacharias and Elizabeth, well, Zacharias, well, Elizabeth, you're pretty old. It took a long time for this prayer to be answered. But was it worth the wait? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. David, as you're being chased around in the wilderness by King Saul, you've already been anointed to be the successor of Saul, and you're running around out here in the wilderness, you even got two opportunities to kill Saul that you turned down. And so when you become king, well, and you go to the throne without regret, with no apologies, can we, would you be willing to say, David, it was worth the wait? Yes. Yes, it was worth the wait. When our Lord Jesus Christ comes, have his people suffered. There has been no generation, even from the time of the call of Abraham, there has been no generation of those loyal to the God, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who have, have not suffered. The oldest book in our Bible, <laughs> the book renowned for its statements about suffering is the book of Job, written before Genesis was written, and Job wanted to die. But what does he say in the middle of that book? I know that my Redeemer lives, 
and though after my flesh worms should destroy this body, I know I will be raised. I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And though after my flesh worms destroy this body, still from within my own flesh, because I look forward to that day of resurrection, I will see God. It has still not happened. But when that happens to Job and to us, will we have that spirit to be able to say, it was worth the wait? I believe so. In the same way that Zacharias and Elizabeth are reveling at the close of the narrative that we read, so will we be reveling. But don't lose hope in the meantime. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Legitimate question. But let's ask a simple question. Uh, has God ever performed this sort of miracle before? Their renowned forefather, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 91 when laughter, Yitzhak, Isaac, was born. Would you have... Would you dare say that Abraham and Sarah, who laughed at his birth with glee, if you had asked them, well, Abraham, well, Sarah, was it worth the wait for this son of promise? Yes. Waiting is waiting is waiting is tedious is tedious is tedious. We want the promise to be fulfilled. But don't forget who your promise keeper is. And the reason for the waiting, it sounds upside down, but it's not, is to actually increase our faith. Now, you would think that the best way to increase our faith is every time we ask for something, we get an immediate answer. No. <laughs> Strength of spirit, the principle technique that God uses is, with, is by delaying the answer. And that brings us back to prayer again, and to prayer again, and to worship again. What did Job say when his ten children were killed and all of his wealth was taken away? Naked came I into this world. Naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the your worship, your trust, and the face of your test is the victory. Is the victory. So much so that when Satan came back to the throne of God, uh, God had to bring up the subject of Job. <laughs> well, uh, everything that you asked to do with this fellow Job, I let you do. And uh, what was the outcome? <clears throat> But so are we to worship. Naked came into this world, naked I'm going out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And ladies and gentlemen, when that day comes, we will, have, we will all be saying, it was worth the wait. 
and we'll be tap dancing all over the place. But Zechariah asked the question, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years, the same as Abraham and Sarah. Well, that's how you know. And an angel is speaking to you. And the angel answered and said to him, I am. Now, just picture that. You're Gabriel. You're standing there radiating light. He knows who you are. I, it doesn't say it in the text. I think Gabriel is going it, can it, if an angel can hyperventilate, I think, what? What do you mean, how can you know? I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak. Oh, you want a proof? Okay, can't talk. Mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. He went home. His wife conceives. Elizabeth hides. She is so overwhelmed with the emotional process that this lady who had given up, I would dare say in the same way that her husband had, the emotional processing that she has to go through, she hides herself for five months. She hides herself for five months until her much, much, much younger relative comes in and the babe leaps in her womb. But listen to these final words again from Zachariah, from Zacharias. Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Blesses the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a, a, a horn of salvation. He has spoken by the mouth, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prayer. He he's gave us a promise and he is keeping it. And we are seeing the process of this. Verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his prophets who have been since the world began, I know that my Redeemer lives. Genesis chapter 3, God speaking to the serpent. You will bruise his head, this seed of the woman. He will bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. Well, a head bruise is a killing blow. <laughs> Unless you're Jesse. A head bruise is a killing blow. But a heel bruise, that can be debilitating, but it's not typically lethal. Jesus will go to the cross, but it is a temporary thing. Satan's defeat is permanent. It is permanent. that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of the, all who hate us. And God is performing the mercy promised to our fathers. And he went all the way back and remembered Abraham. All those things promised will be fulfilled. And ultimately, this will go around the world, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission 
of their sins through the tender mercy of God from which the day spring, the dawn from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. If you are here this morning, this afternoon, and you indeed dwell in the light, your feet have been guided into the way of peace. It's because this loyal God who kept his promise to Zacharias and Elizabeth, to Job, to Abraham and Sarah, he has kept, he is the promise keeper to you. Every promise of the book is yours. Believe him and walk in it and leave to his wisdom the day of complete fulfillment. Because when it happens, you will be saying with Zacharias and Elizabeth, it was worth the wait. Let's give thanks. Our Lord, you have called your people to a glorious, unrestrained, undiluted in its, in its glory, kingdom, promise. You've called us to that. In our walk towards that kingdom, will we suffer? Will we be desiring the fulfillment of that promise as you taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Lord, we're still awaiting that day. We are asking that in the meantime, you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit not to become bitter in spirit. As Satan comes to us, as Satan comes to us and lies to us about you and about your loyalty to us, we are asking that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to spit in his eye and to say, away with you, Satan. In the name of Jesus, my Savior, who is going to bring me into kingdom glory and cast you into that lake of fire that's already awaiting you. I will walk with Jesus and he will walk me through the test, the grief, the pain to unrestrained, undiluted kingdom glory. And I will be able to say with the same glee as Zacharias, Look what God has done. In your name, Lord, fill us with the glory, the joy that comes from believing your promise. Because we get to rejoice ahead of time, so sure it is. In your name, good King Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.